six, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. We'll do the first, second, last verse, hymn number 246. this morning and the message this morning was about some of the challenges and difficulty and spiritual burdens that we as God's people face but I want to pause just a minute before we sing the second verse and right here in the middle somebody tell me something good God's done for you over the last couple weeks somebody in the middle brag on the Lord real quickly we're not going to sing it yep brother Danny your heat's working amen somebody else yes sir yeah, amen. Give us another verse, buddy. done for you since since the beginning of the year we're gonna stand here for a long time do 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 i'm not moving on until so yes sir amen yes sir amen good job to go to i don't know if ken agrees with you but amen here we go let's do that third verse i think of my blessed marriage that's awesome yes ma'am 34 days amen do you need some more friends amen all right here we go
much. Let's remain standing for prayer in addition to all of the requests that uh, we had this morning. I want you to pray for Brother Eddie. You leave tomorrow morning. Is that right, Brother Eddie? Tuesday morning, heading down to Gulfport, uh, Mississippi, uh, working with Beams Bible Institute, a wonderful uh, uh, program down there. So you pray for Brother Eddie. He'll be gone for a few weeks down there. And uh, as always, pray for his wife and family while he's gone, that the Lord would bless them. And I know I gave you a lot of requests this morning. I want you to continue to lift those up, uh, especially uh, Brother Carl's family, those that lost loved ones, uh, just uh, Shane and Mel, a lot of folks in our church who need a touch from heaven. And I ask you to bless them. Uh, our Pray for them if you would. Let's open up together, Lord. We love you tonight, and we come to you with hungry hearts. Uh, Lord, uh, we, we thank you for that wonderful Fanny Crosby song, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It. I'm glad that even in the difficult hours of life, uh, we can shout the victory because we are indeed a child of God. We are redeemed, uh, and we thank you for that. Lord, for those uh, that couldn't be here tonight, Lord, I pray that you'd bless them. Lord, I pray for those that lost loved ones this week. And Lord, how that number seems to just grow every week uh, over the last few months. I pray that you'd bless them. And Lord, those facing procedures and surgeries, I, I ask that you touch them in a mighty way. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Let's stay standing, Brother Ken. Give us a fellowship song. Page number 203. Page 203. The windows of heaven. We'll sing that one time through, and we'll have a time of fellowship. Hymn number 203.
Thank you so much. Appreciate that, ladies. Uh, let me give you, I know I feel like I'm just giving you tons and tons of prayer requests, but let me give you a couple more. Uh, Renee and I uh, went over to Josh and Jesse's today to give them some lunch and to see the, the baby. Uh, and they're, they're, they're doing great, but they were sharing with us, and uh, uh, Jesse was to pray for her family. Her dad, Woody, has got the flu. Cameron's got the flu. Uh, and uh, Woody's mother is in the hospital with pneumonia. And uh, Natalie's sister is in Roanoke Hospital with, don't we don't know. Uh, so pray for that whole family, if you would. And I know we just got a ton of folks out sick. Uh, our phone has been blowing up with the emails and phone calls and text messages of folks who couldn't be here today uh, for various reasons. So remember them in prayer also. Fellas, come on down tonight, if you would. Let's receive our Sunday evening offering. If you haven't, uh, mind the Lord with your tithes and offerings. Ladies, you all pray, play for us. Uh, and then we're going to get into the Word tonight. Father, bless the offering. May it be what you'd have it to be. Again, we're grateful to be in your house. We count it a privilege to be here tonight. Bless the offering now in Christ's name. Amen. Bibles tonight, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, while you're turning, a few reminders, a few announcements uh, this evening. First of all, uh, fellas, uh, help us out this coming Saturday, 8 o'clock. We'll put that out on our call system. Uh, keep that in mind if you would. We'll be doing choir practice, Lord willing, uh, next Sunday, 445. Uh, uh, keep that in mind also if you would. Uh, uh, and uh, thank you for those that brought the, the clothing in uh, uh, and the other items for the family. We're going to get that to them uh, this week, and we sure do appreciate that so very much. First Peter chapter number 2 tonight. Uh, if you were here this morning, I have to tell you, uh, Brother Whitlow's uh, message really touched my heart. Uh, it was a real blessing to me. I needed it in a lot of ways, uh, and uh, I appreciate what he brought because it was a reminder to all of us, and I, I think there's been a little bit of a theme that's developed today, certainly not intentionally, from the Sunday school to the message this morning and even really uh, the message tonight uh, about victory through suffering, how we get victory, how we sustain our Christian faith, uh, how we stay encouraged uh, in uh, uh, our faith. I, I, many years ago, I had the privilege of preaching uh, at a uh, uh, Bible institute, and I was getting to talk to some young preachers, and I said something to them that I later on regretted, uh, and, and, I, and, and I'll give it to you in a way that I think that you'll understand. When I said it to them, I talked to them that simply said that when you're in the ministry, uh, you don't get the luxury of a bad day. And by that I mean you, if, you're, if you're in a bad mood, if you're not happy, if things aren't going well, uh, you can't get into the pulpit and let that be reflected in your preaching. You gotta, you gotta be the encourager. I stood up and told them that the uh, preacher is like the cheerleader that is always cheering on the things of God, always cheering on the church, always trying to press forward. And 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 when I got in the car and I was driving home, I thought to myself, "That's good preaching, but that's hard living." 
That's easy to preach, but it's hard to live. And the reality is, I don't care if you're a preacher or if you're a layman, if you're a Sunday school teacher, you're a church member, whatever it is, you're going to have not only some, you're going to have a lot of bad days. You're going to have a lot of difficult times. Uh, And figuring out how we navigate through those has really been the theme today. Again, unintentional, but it's important for all of us. Do bear this in mind, folks. Think about this for just a moment, and I think it's critically important that we understand this. When we go through bad times, the eyes of of the world are on us. When we go through challenging times, the eyes of the world are on us because they're going to look at us and see how we handle that. We can be a blessing to somebody uh, and show them how God is good even in the bad times, uh, and then we can also help pull someone else along when they go through this bad times uh, and see how we conducted ourselves during those times. So you think about that as we look at our lesson tonight, our message. First Peter chapter number 2. Let me give you, as always, just a little bit of background on this. Uh, Peter is uh, writing in about approximately the year A.D. 60. If you have a reference Bible, it probably tells you that. And by all accounts, Peter is speaking to Jews who are scattered throughout much of the world at that point, much of the known world. He is uh, uh, scattered Jewish believers in mind, but the application of 1 Peter uh, is very much to us today. And I'm going to kind of juxtapose this tonight with Corinthians. So get your thumbs limbered up and ready. But if you're a texter, you've already got your thumbs limbered up. Uh, But uh, get your fingers ready because we're going to look at a few verses tonight in other passages uh, that parallel what we're about to talk about this evening. I'm entitling the message, Staying Hungry for God. Staying Hungry for God. What do I mean by that? Well, I hope you'll amen me on that. Human beings, we are complex creatures. We are complex creatures. Now, I know, ladies, you think men are simple, and by all accounts, we're a whole lot simpler than a woman is. Every man in the building, I'll say amen to that. Amen. (laughs) Men are simpler, perhaps, than women, but mankind, humankind, is a complex creature. We are controlled by a lot of different things, a lot of systems in our body that God created. We are reminded that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, And the more I learn and study about how our human body works, uh, the greater I understand our God is. There's no way uh, that something as complex as a human being could have accidentally evolved. We are created in the image of God, no doubt about it. But we are complex creatures. Some of the appetites that control us are good. Appetites for hunger, appetites for water, Appetites, if you will, for social interaction. I'm a firm believer that virtually everybody needs a social system. By that I mean most people get very frustrated at perpetually being a them. They long to be an us. It's one of the reasons I say to you, when folks come to our church to visit, usually on a Sunday morning, uh, we ought to welcome them as much as we possibly can. If they're here to hear from heaven, they're in the right place. But there are also appetites that are not so good for us. Things that we don't necessarily need, but in our flesh we long for. And sometimes uh, those appetites, those, if you'll allow this phrase, fleshly appetites, end up causing us to neglect the most important appetite of all, and that is a spiritual appetite. A spiritual appetite. Now, if I were to ask most everybody in the building tonight, What is your favorite thing to eat? You could probably tell me just like that. Because that appetite, that desire to eat is strong and it satisfies us. It fills us. I don't need to tell you that if you're out working 
And if you're sweating, it's not very long before you're going to crave something refreshing, some kind of liquid, whether it's water, whether it's a soda, something you're going to crave to satisfy that appetite that God has given us for, for, for liquid. But I want you to listen to me carefully, folks. Just like we all have a physical appetite of hunger, I'm convinced we all have that social appetite for social interaction. Most of humanity has a spiritual appetite as well. In fact, I'm going to say virtually all of humanity. Virtually all of humanity recognizes the fact that there is something greater than us. We've come up with all kinds, and I say we largely, we've come up with all kinds of ideas and schemes and, and theologies even to satisfy that spiritual appetite, but even folks uh, who, who are removed from civilization uh, have come up with a whole mythology uh, to understand the world around us and to satisfy that spiritual appetite. But for those of us that know the Lord, for those of us who are Christians, our fulfillment of our spiritual appetite can only come from one place. That's the Word of God. Let me give you an analogy. If you have something that you love to eat, I mean your favorite food, I'll give you, give you an example. When my grandmother was alive and healthy, my grandmother that lived in West Virginia, my mom's mom, she was a wonderful, wonderful cook. In fact, she had her, owned a restaurant there in uh, Tazewell. And because uh, my mother was the only child in the family that lived away, Whenever at that time, whenever we came home, she always had in the kitchen my dad's favorite food, pork chops. She always had my favorite food, large biscuits. And she had my mom's favorite food, uh, fried green tomatoes. So we'd walk into her mobile home. She just lived in a little bee trailer. And she would have biscuits in the oven. She had a skillet to, uh, 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 plugged in where she was frying up pork chops. And she would always have big old cat head biscuits in a cast iron skillet in the oven. We would walk in with suitcases in hand. And you know what would happen instantly. The mouth starts what? Watering. I mean, we would, we would not stop and get snacks on the drive up because we knew what granny was going to have in that kitchen when we pulled in. This was, my wife will tell you, this is the first time she had ever encountered a tomato biscuit. Yeah, man, she still to this day says it's one of the best things. I hate tomatoes. She can have mine too. But she still says she never experienced anything like it. Why am I telling you this? Because that, that the smell, the aroma, the sight of it would increase that appetite that we had for those things. Listen carefully. You will not satisfy your spiritual appetite in things of the world. We will never satisfy our spiritual appetite with television. We'll never satisfy our spiritual appetite, even with socialization from other believers. The spiritual appetite that God gives all of his children will only be satisfied by feasting on his word. Let's look at what Peter says tonight. 1 Peter chapter 2, three verses. Verse number 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies, and envies and all evil speakings, notice verse 2 please, 
as newborn babes that desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Go back to verse 2. Again, writing to what are for the most part newborn believers. He says, as newborn babes desire, this is a commandment, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Quickly tonight, number one, I want you to notice that in talking about staying hungry for God, number one, God gives us his plan. God gives us his plan. If you will flip just a couple of pages over to 2 Peter chapter number 3, in a second letter, 2 Peter chapter number 3, the last verse of this letter, the last part of the letter, we get a very clear, what I believe is not just a suggestion, but a commandment of God through the inspiration of Peter's pen. When he gives what is a very clear ordinance for every single believer, he says in verse 18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I want to pause just a moment. I hope you'll amen the statement I'm about to make. The number of years you've been saved does not correlate with our growth in the Lord. There's a lot of us who've been saved for many years uh, and are still, uh, according to what Paul says to the Corinthian church, babes in Christ. We cannot handle uh, what I'm going to show you in just a moment as Paul describes the meat of the word. We're still trying to feast on the milk of the word. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't we anticipate that a baby needs milk? We anticipate uh, that a baby needs milk. I mean, a newborn baby needs nothing other than milk. That is that which that baby thrives and, 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 and grows. But if that baby is six, seven, and eight years old, and that baby's still only drinking milk and nothing else, that baby ain't going to last. Because you've got to transition over to solid food, and that solid food becomes better food. And then you begin eating table food, and that is how that baby grows. Listen carefully. When we cannot handle the meat of the word, Paul says we're still babes in Christ. So you'll know what I'm talking about. Turn to 1 Corinthians quickly. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Go back, if you would, just a few pages. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You'll remember I said this morning... This is the church that gave Paul a fit, the church that always uh, was problematic for Paul. Things that they were trying to do in the church, uh, doctrines they were trying to bring into the church, meshing the world uh, with the things of God. Look at chapter 3, verse number 1. Paul doesn't pull punches here. He says, and brethren, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual. Good golly, Miss Molly. If a preacher stood up and said that today to a church, he'd be voted out by the time the service was over. Because what Paul is saying is, I can't even talk to you all like real Christians. I can't even speak to you all uh, like you're believers in Christ. He goes on to say, I could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Can I, can I paraphrase this? 
He says that if we were using the Awana terminology, he says, y'all aren't TNT, y'all aren't Sparks, y'all still on the cradle roll. You're a bunch of adults who belong in the cubby class. That's what he says. Keep reading what he says in verse number two. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, he doesn't stop there. He says, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal. For where, And why? Why? What's the problem? There's a whole list of them. The problem that he goes into now says this. Whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Tell me that doesn't describe an average ordinary Baptist church. Amen. Paul says uh, you cannot grow in Christ. Uh, you cannot, if you're a newborn babe, as Peter talks about, it's fine for you to grow, uh, fine for you to have milk. Uh, but when it's time to grow, uh, you don't need the milk of the word. You need the meat of the word. But right now, you can't handle it. He's got a plan. Flip back to Peter quickly. Last place you'll look, maybe. <laughs> Not only a plan, but a provision. I'm back in First Peter 2. Back in First Peter 2. He says, again, to individuals mainly who are new converts, mainly who are new believers, scattered Jews across the known world at that point, he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye might or ye may grow thereby. Let me give you an analogy. Because not only does he give us a plan, he gives us a provision. When a person first gets saved, it is a grave mistake for us to expect them uh, to act like uh, adult believers. In fact, I believe uh, that we've run a lot of kids, uh, and I say kids, uh, I mean kids in the faith, I mean babes in Christ. We've run a lot of them away from church uh, because we've expected them to act like they know everything about the Bible the moment they get saved. I mean, good heavens, uh, they just get up off the altar, uh, and we expect them to know uh, all the doctrines of the faith, things that we've been taught for 20, 30, 40, and 50 years, uh, and when they mess up, we're ready to throw them under the bus. We would never treat a child that way. We would never treat a child that way. Why do we treat uh, newborn Christians that way? But listen to me carefully. We have a provision. What is that provision? Well, we start uh, our feasting, if you will, with the Word of God. When I uh, am able to lead a, a person to the Lord, especially someone who doesn't know the Bible, I've been asked a thousand times, Preacher, where should I start? Where in the Bible should I start? You may be surprised to hear this. Uh, I don't ever tell them to start with Genesis. I don't ever tell them to start with Genesis. Because uh, it's not long, if they're newborn babes in Christ and they start in Genesis, they got a thousand questions before they get out of chapter one. I mean, you know all kinds of questions that begin to propagate their mind. And when those questions come, uh, the enemy comes uh, to, if you will, steal away the seed that's been planted and suddenly things start happening. Uh, my personally, uh, I always tell them, go to the Gospel of John. Read the Gospel of John. One of the simplest books in the Bible and also most clearly identifies who Jesus is. And when you're done with John, read John again. 
And when you're done with that, read John one more time. Read it three times and then come back and talk to me, and I'll tell you where to go next. I've had one or two of them come back a couple of days later, literally, and say, Preacher, I've read John three times. Where do I go next? And then I'll map out a whole Bible reading strategy for them. But do you understand, if we dive... For a few people who started in Genesis, uh, I've heard this a thousand times. Preacher, uh, I did really good until I got to the chapter on the begets and the begats, and I just stopped. <laughs> Amen. You understand, folks, uh, we expect newborn babes to act like babes. What's his provision? He gives his word to feed us. He gives his spirit to lead us. Let me give you a thought to think about. I'm a, I'm a reader. My family knows that I love to read. In fact, there are not too many nights that I don't read 30, 40 minutes before I go to sleep at night. I am, frankly, fewer things I enjoy more than just sitting down and reading. Most of what I read now is done electronically through uh, electronic access. Uh, but every once in a while, some member of my family will give me a book, uh, a, a handheld book that you sit down and actually hold. You understand that whether it's an electronic format like I use here, or a handheld book, uh, what we are getting are the thoughts and the ideas of the author. What we're getting is what the author thinks, says, and believes. Listen carefully. When you're a child of God, you don't just get what the author believes, you get the author as well. You don't just get what the author thinks, but you get the spirit of the author uh, guiding you uh, while you're reading. There's the plan. There's the provision. But there's also a problem. There's also a problem. Go back into chapter 2, verse number 1. It's a doozy. It's a big one. It's a problem that besets every one of us. He says, wherefore. Now, you got to ask yourself, what's the wherefore there for? The wherefore there connects chapter 2 to what's been said in chapter number 1. And when you read chapter number 1, it is all about Christian suffering. It's how we conduct ourselves in the light of this suffering, how we act as believers. And he says in chapter 2, connecting the wherefore to what's just happened, or because of this, lay aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil Speaking. Let me paraphrase this because it's really important. Because we've, we've got a plan, number one. We've got the provision, number two, but we have a problem. The problem is a problem that besets every one of us. It's that three-letter word, sin. And when you read chapter 1 of 1 Peter, if I could summarize it, it very much speaks to what the theme of today has been. The Christian's life is not fair and it's not easy. You go back tonight, this week, and you read 1 Peter chapter number 2. Peter's very clear it's going to be challenging to be a Christian. Listen now. If we're not careful, the challenges of the Christian life will sometimes, if we don't handle the challenges correctly, lead us down the wrong path. It is exactly what Brother Jerry said today. Our problem is not always our problem. Our problem is sometimes we don't like how God handles our problem. We're not happy with the way God handles the problem. And sometimes uh, that anger leads us the wrong way. Don't misunderstand me. There's no sin in asking why. I've told you this a thousand times. I grew up listening to preachers say it's a sin to question God. It's a sin to question God. The only problem with that is hanging on the cross of Calvary. Jesus says, my God, my God, why? 
There is no sin in questioning God. The sin comes in when the question becomes, God, this is not right, this is not fair, this shouldn't have happened to me. That's when we transition over to sin. And so Peter says, look at what he says in chapter 2, verse number 1. Wherefore, laying aside, you know what that means? To set it aside. To force yourself to do away with guile, malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speakings. And then he goes on the next verse, connecting it to say, when you do that, don't stop there, but as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Let me paraphrase it. When the challenges, difficulties, tribulations come, when the obstacles mount, uh, when the, this is not right, this is not fair, this hurts so badly, times come. There is a real temptation for us to really, if you'll allow this, to get steeped in that and not be able to move past it. And Peter says, put all of that aside and dive into the Word of God. Absolutely. Today, today when we had gone to see Jesse and Josh, we weren't there five, six, seven minutes. And it was, I hate to use this phrase, feeding time. It makes it sound like cattle. But it was feeding time. How did I know it was feeding time? They, didn't, they weren't holding the baby. The baby was asleep. It was in a little swing, swinging back and forth. Uh, but it opened its eyes, started whimpering and going. And the instant, now this baby's not but a few days old, folks. The instant Jesse picked that baby up, the baby knew what to do. We, we politely excused ourselves. <laughs> Because mama was getting ready to do what mama needed to do to satisfy the baby. The baby knew uh, that it was time to start being fed, if you would. Uh, and so that baby did what was necessary to be fed from mama. Listen carefully. So many of us do just the opposite. So many of us. When the difficulties, trials, tribulations, and problems come, and instead of diving into the Word of God, we walk away. We shun it. We don't want anything to do with that. We're mad, we're hurt, we're angry. And Peter says, put all of that aside, and like a newborn babe who dives in to be fed, dive into the Word. So we got a plan. Got a problem. Let's keep going quickly. Notice, if you would, even a procedure. A procedure. Verse 2, he gives us a very clear commandment using the word desire. It means want. It means need. You know what I've learned in 17 years nearly of pastoring 20 plus years of preaching? A deep theological concept. Taylor, you might want to get a hold of this. This is the most important thing you'll ever learn in Bible school. People do about what they want to do. People do about what they want to do. We do about what we want to do. You know, while we don't read our Bibles, we don't want to. You know why we neglect prayer life? We don't want to. You know why we don't do some of the things that we ought to do? Because we just don't 
want to. And while we do some things that we shouldn't do, because we do want to. It's the reason Peter says to us, desire the milk of the word. My family gets very tickled at me because I love to talk to myself. How many of you have ever fallen victim to that same thing? The rest of you, you should try it. It's a blessing. Amen. I've told my wife on many occasions because I'll be driving and I'm talking to myself and she'll say to me, who are you talking to? And I'll look over at her and she'll say, yourself, aren't you? And I'll say, yes, ma'am. There are three reasons. I've told her a million times why a man talks to himself. Three reasons. Mark them down in your Bibles. Number one, he likes to hear an intelligent person talk. Number two, he likes to talk to an intelligent person. Number three, he likes to be in an intelligent conversation. And I better shut up and start talking to my wife right there. Amen. I enjoy talking to myself. Uh, uh, and, and there are, I hope you won't laugh at me, sometimes in talking to myself, I'll convince myself about the things that I don't want to do, the why I should do them. Things that I'm facing at work, things that I'm facing on the job, even sometimes things I'm having to face at church, I will talk through them, laying out the options. I could just think about it, but sometimes just talking them, I do a really good job when there's nobody in the car. You ought to hear me go to town when nobody's with me. But in talking about them, there's something that happens in my mind that clicks in, and I can do what I don't want to do. Why? I've just convinced myself to do it. I believe that's what Peter's talking about. I'm not telling you Peter's saying to talk to yourselves. <laughs> but I am telling you that when Peter says desire the milk of the word. He is telling you to feed on this even when you don't want to. He's telling you to get a hold of this and to suckle on this, if you'll allow that, to, to absorb this, let it get in you, even when you don't want to. There's no greater example of this than the prodigal son. I heard one pastor say, thank you, many years ago, you'll either feed at the pig trough or you'll feed at the, at the father's table. One of the two. You'll either fit at the pig trough or the father's table. You can't have both. And the longer you spend at one, the less likely you are to be feeding at the other. We ought to park right there for a few minutes. The longer you feed at the father's table, the less likely you'll be feeding in the pig trough. But the opposite also applies. The longer you spend feeding in the pig trough, the less likely we spend feeding at the father's table. Quickly tonight plan, procedure, problem. Look, if you would, at verse number three. Look, if you would, at verse number three. Now, let's finish verse number two again. It's newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may. And by the way, do you know what the word sincere means there? It means pure. It means pure. It means not diluted. The sincere, the complete, the whole, if you will. Give you another analogy. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you fellows might like this. Uh, for years and years and years, my wife and I, uh, our family, our children grew up drinking 1% milk, 2% milk, skim milk. I don't, think, I don't think our kids have ever seen red top milk. In some, how many of you know what red top milk is? Amen. 
Hallelujah is right. And if I was as thin as you, I'd really be saying that. My family, I don't think my kids have ever seen a gallon of red top milk in our refrigerator. It's always that skim milk, that colored water <laughs> that they've seen in our refrigerator. I, I have always said I've been drinking skim milk and 1% milk so long, I probably wouldn't even know what whole milk tasted like. Oh, that was a lie. That was a lie. A few months ago, I didn't realize it, but I was at work, and somebody had made some cookies, and they brought in some milk. And not only did they bring in whole milk, they put it in the freezer so it got really good and cold. Honey, my tongue about beat my roof of my mouth to death. It was out of this world. And I went back home, and I looked at that skim milk in my refrigerator. I thought you straight out of hell, skim milk. Amen. Amen. You see, once you've had the good stuff, the watered down just don't taste right. Once we've had the sincere milk of the word, the watered down stuff just don't taste right, folks. Again, go with me to verse number three. Verse number three, we'll be done. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Again, I'm going to use the same analogy of today. We were with Josh and Jesse. Baby, when we walked in, was very satisfied, wasn't crying. In fact, I believe the baby was asleep. We weren't there any time at all. But while we were there, the baby woke up and immediately started whimpering. And that whimper usually means something, especially if a cry comes after it, a demand for attention or satisfaction. Something needs to happen, whether it's to be fed, to be changed. That, 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 that cry, if you would, said that something needs to occur. Can I, can I pause a moment and say to you that the Christian, we ought to have a similar disposition. I don't mean whining and crying, but I do mean that when we get fed the wrong thing, we speak up and speak out. We, we understand there are far too many today who are living off the light menu, L-I-T-E. We, we're satisfied with Bible light, if you will. We're satisfied with 2% Bible or skim Bible uh, when it is uh, that God wants to give us the whole, the sincere, and he doesn't want to stop with just the milk. He wants us to graduate to the meat of the word. And that can only happen when we daily feast for God. Now, I want to close tonight by saying this. You can close your Bibles. I want you to listen carefully because I'm done. 21st century America, there is no reason for any of us to not have a few moments in Scripture every day. What do I mean by that? We'll be blunt. Getting a hold of the Scripture, getting a hold of devotions today is so easy. I have a dozen Bible apps on my cell phone. Each one of them is a devotion guide. Each of them has different ways of, I mean, different ways of looking at the daily devotion. I've got commentaries. I can have the Bible read to me. In fact, a lot of the times when I'm driving to work, I'll listen to the audio devotion as part of my devotion for the day. Getting the Word of God into us is so easy today. If you're not into cellular technology, well, we provide free of charge uh, several different devotion guides, free to everybody. 
free, free, free. My favorite price is free 99. <laughs> Amen. Free. So why don't we? We don't want to. We don't want to. I'm going to say this tonight, and I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. I wonder how the world would change, how our Christian life would change, how our walk with Christ would change if we spend half as much time in the Word as we do on our phones. If we spend half as much time with the Word as we do in front of a TV screen. Amen. Preaching to me. So if I can say amen, so can you. You see, why don't we, church? We don't want to. We don't want to. I've heard preachers say all my life, when you get saved, God gives you a brand new want to, and he does. There are things of my past, I don't want them anymore. There's a whole different way of living now that I do want, but I also have to make myself desire the things of God. Losing our hunger for the Lord is easy. Maintaining our hunger for the Lord is one of the most important things you'll ever do as a believer. Promise I'm done. Getting saved is the easiest thing you'll ever do. Living the Christian life is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Stand to your feet tonight. Staying hungry for God. Staying hungry for God. Honey, I want you just to play a song for us. Uh, play a number for us tonight. Miss Lisa and Mr. Nate, just pray. Play for us. <clears throat> If that describes you this evening, if you want to slip up to this altar and join me, because I'm going to kneel here as well tonight, and just ask God to help instill in you a greater hunger for God, a greater hunger for the things of God, a greater hunger to desire the things of God, join me at the altar tonight. I'm going to pray. I'm going to dismiss this from up here. You want to grab your spouse and come on up. You want to come by yourself, just, just come on this evening. Let's just get around the altar together and pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this reminder tonight from 1 Peter. Lord, I understand in this Christian walk, it will never happen by accident. We will never be the people of God that you want us to be by accident. It won't happen by chance. Our choices have to be deliberate. We have to cause ourselves at times to desire the things of God, even when we don't always want them. Lord, living the Christian life will always begin for all of us with feasting on the Word. Lord, by that, you know that I mean we don't have to read many, many words and chapters every day but spending time with you every day is critical to walk in the Christian walk. Lord, I thank you for a church that understands the value of the Christian life and recognizes that it starts with a daily walk with God. Lord, whether it be with devotion time, whether it be with a manual, whether it be with a Bible app, a good teaching Bible app, Lord, I pray that we would all have that desire to spend daily time with God. Let you talk to us while we talk to you. It's how our relationship is strengthened. How we fall more in love with Jesus Christ is talking to Him. Get to know Him. Lord, I pray that you'd bless 
the many, many, many in our church today who are hurting. Man, there's so many. Lord, we can't begin to name them all tonight, right now. Lord, there's a lot of folks in this Bible-believing group that are suffering. I pray that you'd bless them and comfort them. Lord, as we said this morning, never, never promised that we wouldn't go through these valleys, but you did promise that you'd be right there with us. Lord, that you'd either give us the grace to walk through or you'd get us out. Lord, I pray that you'd give grace. Give it quickly to those that need it most. Lord, bring us back safely Wednesday night to Awanas as we continue to study Ruth and as our Awana teachers continue to deliver that incredible ministry. Bless this congregation of believers. Thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. You're dismissed tonight. Thank you for coming out on this cold Sunday evening. Fellowship with each other tonight.